This is part two of our episode with Jeff Jimenez. If you haven't listened to part one, do so now. And then rejoin us as we continue the conversation on social media. Welcome to the Beauty Ever New podcast. I would like to look at um, statistics on male friendship, since that's kind of like what I'm interested in uh, mm. these days, is looking at, I work in IT, all right? So I work with a bunch of dudes who are just like totally introverted, antisocial, but yeah. you put them in a dark room with a hard technical problem, they'll go solve it. Knock it out, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so in my world, I typically see those guys all the time. And so I try to build relationships with them and try to, I've got, we, I got a buddy who's kind of like a fallen away Catholic, but he's kind of lingering around hmm. but the point is that i'd like to see what the statistics are on the experience of loneliness among the average catholic man because i know what oh, it I'm is sure among, it's huge yeah. it's huge but why is that and, and i think it has everything to do with uh hmm. the lack of wanting to be vulnerable yeah because we have a we have mm-hmm. a, we're learning from social media what it means to be a man yeah and hmm. it's teaching us that you have to be stoic you have to be you have to want to be like those ex-operators with a beard and a hat, and you have to learn how to shoot and AR yeah. and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Which, by the way, I enjoy doing. But <laughs> <laughs> subscribe to a few channels. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I, I do find myself wanting to see like what, what's the reality of of that, and where 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 are brother Catholics? Where are they right now? Uh, I, I want to go out and find them, and you know. Yeah. And, Teach them how to make friends. Unite the clans. They're, they're so close. That is my Unite motto. the clans. Yeah. Unite the clans. Was. Unite the clans. Unite the clans. <laughs> Robert the Bruce. Say it um, one more time. No. We, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll play Ennis for all you people who like board games. Um, um, we, um, we're going to play, we're going to play board games with you sometime later. Yes. Um, anyone good. who's listening to the podcast. That's how we build a community. If you ever come to Houston, uh, I'll, I'll pour you a glass of bourbon and play a board game. No, but seriously, that is a way we build community. I'm, I'm not kidding. <laughs> like, like, let me know. Vibe. And I'll, I'll Nice. Come. But um, what was I going to say? Oh, you were talking about like you need to find these people. I've been really convicted lately that like the people that like God gave you for a community are they're on your street. Like, right. Like we, they're we, all around you we, already. you owe your family, you owe your wife and your kids and your family part of your time. And I, I've come to the belief uh, recently that uh, like within the last few weeks that, um, God places you on the street you live on for a reason and that you need to meet your neighbors and odds are you don't know your neighbors. And I, uh, there are 18 houses on the street. I counted them. I was walking up and down. I was like, I know these people and not these people and I need to meet them. Um, and if they end up hurting and they end up needing you, you can't help them if you don't know them. And, um, you need to find out who they are and um, like be present to them and like engage them in friendship so that when they get broken, you can pick up the pieces. And if you do it too late, then it's like, it's kind of awkward when you come and you're like, Oh, let me help you. I don't really care about who you are until now, but I want to kind of be your friend. Like, you know, you you need to, I I'm, I'm telling this to you. I'm telling this to myself. I need to be proactive and like, I know you, you're my neighbor, (laughs) but uh, there are lots of people on the street that I don't know. And, Odds are I I have been placed here for a reason so that I can meet these people and maybe they just like shun me and I never talk to them. That's fine. But there may be one person who like you meet just in time to be able to help them out through some situation that um, 
mm-hmm. would otherwise not be doable. Yeah, for sure. Other than like God placed you here to do it. So yeah, yeah, and and evangelization started out house to house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's one, how one person at a time. Exactly, and you know, uh, Rafa, I saw I saw a grill outside. Yeah. So that's that's a good way to invite the other neighbors. Say, hey, I got an open grill. We've been talking about a cookout. BYO yeah. meat. Yeah. We'll invite you to the West Wind. Uh, we'll, we'll, BYO we'll send, meat. We'll send a message out to all the podcasters. All, the, all of our listeners are invited <laughs> to the, the West Wind summer grill out. Come to Texas for some brisket. Yeah. I make I make a mean brisket. In fact, that's how I'll have you guys over. I'll, oh, I'll yeah. smoke a brisket for you guys. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to trying to build community, you know, if you have the time and you're off of social media, mm-hmm. that's another social media account I'm on. I'm on Nextdoor, which oh, yeah, is a neighborhood. Yeah, 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 that's it's a neighborhood app. Mm-hmm. So I look, I primarily look on there for you know what the happenings and mm-hmm. the gossipy crime stats and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, whose bulldogs got out again yeah. and buy um, a fridge from your neighbor down the street or something. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Um, but just think, just imagine what in human interaction would be like if that same neighborhood posted everything on their lawn. Right. Mm-hmm. You'd go up there. You'd walk over there. You'd walk you'd, over there. Yeah. You, you'd go True. talk to them. You. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could probably. You should probably change the world that mm-hmm. way if everyone would share what they do. I wouldn't say I have to word it right. Right. So instead of sharing it on Facebook, go out and print out some flyers. Yeah, you might chop a few. Trees. No, dudes. If if every day were Halloween, I have a yeah. buddy in college who basically he he. I don't know if we have a conversation about it or he wrote a paper about it or what, but Joseph wrote this paper about, I'll just say he wrote a paper, about how Halloween is this one night a year where all social conventions are lifted. Your kids come knocking on someone's door, bang, 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 dressed as like some monster, demanding candy, and half the time your little like two-year-old walks into their house and people are like, oh, he's so cute. And like you can just sit in someone's front yard, half the time they, like I was was out in the... and Tomball and someone like handed me a beer and we're just like talking and like uh, if you walked in someone's front yard and just hung out within like three feet of their front door, it'd be, it'd be kind of weird. Yeah. But in Halloween, it's like everyone's property is everyone else's property. You share everything and the kids are getting candy and they're running all around. And it's like for a brief moment for one night, you can dress however you want and go wherever you want and do whatever you want. And it's not that like license is the end goal, but that like everyone for a moment becomes friends with everyone else. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't have to work hard at it. You just are a community. And I never really thought of Halloween, particularly trick-or-treating in that way, until Joseph described it this way. But it's totally true. And all the times I've gone trick-or-treating, everyone's just, you know, in, in particularly thinking about houses and property and your yard and how people consider that, like, their domain and you can't go in someone else's area. Yeah. Um, I, I sort of wish that we would, like, take that night of Halloween and stretch it over the rest of the year mm-hmm. and have it be... Like the normalcy of, yeah, just friendship with neighbors. Yeah, I think something to put to put some meat on this skeleton of okay, we're gonna avoid social media somewhat or mm-hmm. altogether. Uh, what are we gonna do with this extra time? I found uh, recently that I have hours of time that <laughs> I've spent either researching things about the Catholic faith that sum up to not much and i usually forget in about a week Hmm. like oh i read something good but i forgot about it anyway (laughs) Mm. so one of the things that my wife and i have started talking about and 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 doing is inviting families over for rosaries Mm. so and you can do that with your neighbors you can in fact it's amazing how many protestants know the rosary 
Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed this. Uh, invite some some friends over. They'll get the Hail Marys pretty quickly. Hmm. You know, huh. and they can count to 10. What's the, guy, the the Saddleback Church guy? What's his name? I'm forgetting. I know who you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about? I know he, who you're like, talking about. He apparently like watches EWTN and prays the Divine Mercy Chapel. Yeah, yeah. And I like, think I've heard this. I love, yeah, seriously. He's like yeah. better Catholics than most Catholics. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, this is great. This is just praying the Bible. Yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... Uh, Rick Warren, that's it. Rick Warren, yeah. that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, got a, I've got a buddy who invited some Mormons over and they knew the rosary. Yeah. Not that it, watching EWTN makes you Catholic, but that like praying Wait, typical it, tra- traditional it devotionals. You don't watch EWTN. <laughs> yeah. Sacraments, <laughs> you know, forget that. Like, I like thought that was the sacrament of initiation. Yeah, no. yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> I've been going to mass daily on EWTN. No, yeah. yeah. What were you saying though about some Mormon buddies? Yeah, so I saw a buddy of mine who's doing the Benedict option and has started inviting some of it. Uh, what do you mean doing the friends. Benedict option? Uh, inviting people over to evangelize in their home, hmm. and so that's one expression of that. Sure, right? sure. So Benedict option—that's a whole big thing. I think you guys that's have why talked I asked about for you to clarify. Yeah, that. so the Benedict option is. Rod Dreher came out with this book. He's a frontend Orthodox, he's a, right, or something? Yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a Greek Orthodox. And so he looked at the situation in the world and thought that maybe there's something we can learn from the monks mm-hmm. to change the culture because the West is now lost. It, mm-hmm. it was once Christian, and right. you can pretty much say the West is not Christian mm-hmm. anymore. Right. And so one way to cope with this and thrive in this eventually is to invite non-Catholics over and, mm-hmm. and take back the culture. Uh, how? Through house-to-house evangelization, through doing what you do privately, publicly, and do what you do publicly, privately in mm. terms of the mm. faith. Yeah. And yeah. so... And banding together, right? Banding together with... Uniting the clans. Unite mm. the clans. Yeah. And doing what St. Benedict did, which was preserving, you know, in some ways, like Western civilization by, right. you know... By preserving it, yeah, by, by protecting it and fostering it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. handing it on to, you know, next generation of monks, mm-hmm. which survived all the way through the first millennia mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Christianity. And so, uh, yeah, I encourage everyone to try inviting your neighbor over for the rosary mm-hmm. and teach them that yeah. Our Lady will take care of the rest. Right. What time of day do you do that? Like, um, it like early it's, evening? It's, it's like, like a Friday evening? night. Friday night. Yeah. It's just a Friday night. And Before dinner, after dinner? Uh, usually after dinner because yeah. we don't want to add pressure for families. You know, everybody's gluten free these days or True. doing keto. Yeah. And not like, us, I'm dude. like, I'm not doing that. We have meat on Friday brisket. sometimes. No. No. <laughs> We've got brisket and brisket sauce. Yeah. So we try to have folks over, you know, once a month, That's cool. which is cool. doable. Yeah. You know, with 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 our, we've got a lot of young kids, and it's cool too because then their kids learn the rosary, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Our Lady can we can plant seeds that way as well. Yeah, you know, you a scriptural rosary or straight up? Uh, just straight up, old straight school, up, man. easy, old school. Dude, my my kids are sorrowful mysteries. Sorrowful mysteries every Friday. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so we, we we do that because they, you know, most people know know where the, uh, know the crucifixion passion. is and the, the, passion. the passion is in yeah. the Bible. Yeah, mm-hmm. you do the glorious mysteries like. Where's yeah. that assumption? The coronation of Mary as the Queen of Heaven. <laughs> Where was that assumption? What? It was proclaimed by the Church. Don't you? That's know? right. That's right. Our statues pray what to our statues. We're so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've um, one thing we've done along those lines is for Lent, we host uh, Friday stations at our house, and originally it was two families, and then we invited a few more, and then those people invited more families, and now it's gotten to where sometimes we have five or six families in our backyard praying the stations with us. 
and it's potluck so people just come mm-hmm. and it's become like this really enjoyable thing that people look forward to like in fact because we put it on sometimes we're so focused on just making sure everything's set up that we like you know don't maybe not enjoy it as much but people would just love it people tell us how much it means to them and how it's really dude i love you it know, it's so much it's, it's so built good. such a good community and, and we're hoping that every year it grows a little bit you know like we're hoping you come next year yeah I, I'd, be, <laughs> I'd be excited to come you i know? hope we have so many people that we need to process like down the street yeah between like both backyards we need to stretch you know? the stations out that's right. We're gonna do the whole yeah. street. hundred yards. Yeah, the fails yeah. live like like yes. three houses down. We can go all the way over there. Yeah. yeah, so, they, yeah. so it's been it's been really good. You know, just again to, you know, for the community building, but also I feel like we've just been really blessed with a good Catholic community. You know, like especially now at Walsingham, meeting so many new people that that really just foster the faith, that are passionate about it, that want mm. to continue to build mm. that community. But so one of the things that we've done in addition to stations is among uh, the, you know there's various families that we get together with each one has picked a feast during the year and they'll throw a party on that day and the idea is that we'll string together feasts throughout the year mm-hmm. so that our kids will grow up looking forward to epiphany party or to martin mass or to mm-hmm. the stations you know yeah. so there's always like this, this series of celebrations that go in line with feasts mm-hmm. But it's like Martimus at the Leonios. And then right. like you know the same house you go to. So, yeah, it's, so like, it's like you this, know uh, that that's their feast and that's like where we're going this year. Progressive you know? dinner throughout the liturgical seasons. Oh, yeah, wow. So, so is it is it just is it feast days of like saints as well? Yeah, so we basically just let I the hope families we have to do that. let yeah. the families pick. <laughs> so yeah, so it'll be so you know, we do Epiphany obviously. We'll do so our family does Martin Mess, which is in the fall. And, and so, yeah, so we just have different families pick one. If you want to pick one, go ahead and we'll be at your house for whatever celebration you pick. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. See, that's a, that's, I, I, that's a fantastic way to do it. Uh, growing up, um, I grew up in the Filipino community and we had a, we had a devotion to the Santo Nino. Mm-hmm. And so there would be a monthly novena and mass at a home. It was a Novus Ordo mass, but it was, it was, you know, the Archdiocese of Galveston Houston, we put it on. Uh, and that was something that we always looked forward to. And so I learned how to altar serve. Yeah. I started altar serving uh, uh, because we were doing it and there were so many kids that were doing it. I had to altar serve starting in my adulthood. <laughs> really? So, yeah. And then and then we tried to bring Rome into it. So we got the cassock and surplus and we we're like, sorry, ladies, you know, you guys have a different dignity. And like, that's, that's an awesome thing. But some of us were discerning the priesthood there. So, so uh, doing that and learning about the priesthood through a community mm-hmm. learning about fatherhood from other dads as well as my own father but there's just so many benefits to building a community that's centered around the sacraments and devotion that you really just can't get from yeah. anything else and social media could be a conduit maybe like right. a, a messenger of that yeah but definitely challenge your i would challenge yourself to look for ways to Start that community. Don't wait for someone else to start yeah. that up. Just invite someone over to the ro- to your rosary at your house. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've heard some great ideas over here. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, there's devotions that you can do monthly as well, mm-hmm. where um, it's not just a feast day, but mm-hmm. it's a cadence right. with, with the with the church. Yeah, which is really great. Yeah, we I know for us, um, we started praying the rosary and and did it kind of off and on for a while. But the the big kicker for our family was doing the scriptural rosary. And in particular, our two boys, they are um, six and four. They love it because 
you don't just announce the mystery and then start reciting the Hail Marys. You, you know, you read a verse of scripture and then pray Hail Mary, then read a verse of scripture and pray Hail Mary. And for a while I thought it was it was good because you're you're touching the story, you know, ten times more frequently because you're doing it every uh, every Hail Mary. And I like that just because as I'm praying it it makes sense. But then there was a point where uh, I think I mentioned this too in a prior podcast where I realized that they're thinking about it in like more precise ways than I had realized because we were going through, I think, the sorrowful mysteries, and then um, at one point um, it was like when he was like Jesus was being scourged or he had like you know he was being nailed to the cross, and we had like announced the the verse and then we're praying the Hail Mary and Colby interrupts me he's like wait. He's like, what's happening to him? And he was, he was like, he's getting like, what does it mean to be scourged? Or he, mm. I don't remember the exact thing, but he, he asked a question. He was like, like basically, he was like, shut the front door. What's happening to like my Lord and Savior here? And we, we paused and we talked about it for a little bit. But I realized in the tone of his voice, he was processing like what it means for Christ to suffer in this way. And um, they're really thinking about it. Like the kids are, they're the sponges. I mean, you guys right. both have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids. Oh yeah. So. For me, that was the big turning point where if they're asking for it and they want to listen yeah. to me read this thing and then like pray these you know, mysteries, uh, they totally dig into it. And now anytime we do it, we're like, okay, if we want to do a scripture rosary, we got to finish a little early because it takes a little longer. And they totally, like they brush their teeth faster. They eat dinner faster. It's the incentive. And if, if we don't get done by 8 o'clock, it's 8.05. We can't, can't do a scripture rosary. We can't do a scriptural rosary. And they are super upset. So yeah, it's like that's fantastic that they, they're yeah. they're being open to that. Yeah, uh, they're being open to these these mysteries. Yeah, you know, I, I, a buddy of mine uh, was telling me that during uh, Good Friday, his son would ask, as if the Passion was happening right now. Mm. Hey, what what's Dad? What, what what's Jesus doing right now? It's 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 one o'clock. Oh, nice. mm. oh it's one thirty. What's Jesus doing right now? That's awesome. And so. And I remember as a child thinking of that as well, because mm-hmm. my mom would tell me, like, be quiet. We have to be quiet. It's 3 o'clock. Jesus died. And she would say it in present tense. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh. How is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But she's so right. Like, yeah, yes. the anamnetic, right. like, trid, you know. And tr- really entering into that mystery. Mm-hmm. Really, en- like, just being present and, and almost in a time capsule, just jumping mm-hmm. back in time. With Dude, that. mass is time travel. The totally. first time I heard someone talking about, like, <laughs> about, like, the Jewish understanding of, like the you know the the Passover being like talked about in the present tense and like you know as God frees me now and all this stuff, I realized that that my my love for like science fiction overlaps <laughs> with the faith because like the Eucharist is basically like God time traveling back <laughs> the, and forth in time and it's not the time stone though is it? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I I I gotta be honest. Endgame was not my favorite movie. They they did. Uh, they did a disservice to all the characters I loved, and with with very few exceptions, um, to sort of undermine my favorite parts about that. So, I was just hoping for Silver Surfer to make a surprise appearance. I would if Silver Surfer and Galacticus came in, I'd be, I'd be totally like, <laughs> on board for that. The Thor thing, like, I'm not gonna go into spoilers, but not a fan of that. And there yeah, were a few other things I was just like, come on, like totally necessary. So. Yeah, just leave it leave it up to them to kind of mess up the the the, the true fans of the comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of it was fan service. A lot of it was tying up plot holes. 
and I get that, and you have to do that. It's like you know the the end of a sixteen movie arc, which in a way is that's a feat, regardless of what you believe about it. Uh, in terms of the quality of the movie, um, in game, not in game, Infinity War was great. I like that one a lot. That was the the build up was good. I I think Thanos is one of the most compelling characters of the whole story because he, you know, Nebula is like my father's many things, but one of them is not a liar, and he's like he's so believable. Um, so he's one of my favorite characters, but they they just mess with too much in the end. Yeah, I thought I so know. too. I uh, thought so too. Yeah, I was, I was a little let down. Don't don't I won't spoil it for you guys, but yeah, just 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 watch it and forget the comics <laughs> altogether, <laughs> completely. <laughs> That's funny. All right, so I wanted to circle back on pretty seamlessly went into Avengers there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> On social media mediating reality, right? Yeah, so this yeah. idea that it trains you, it trains you to um, to think of the world in a certain way, to think of your life in a certain way. So I wanted to, you know, you kind of had mentioned a comparison to the Ma- to the Mackeys in the early church, yes, and their, and their split understanding of the material and the immaterial. And I feel like the digital world, especially, we're, you know, we were talking about augmented reality earlier, is beginning to blur the line between what is real and what is not. And we're beginning to say that through all of this technology, social media, augmented reality, we'll get to a point where you will create your own reality. But I think that because of the incarnation, Christianity makes the claim that there is such a thing as a real world and that it is important to live in it. So I guess just talk about how maybe social media is presenting and, and all this other technology is presenting a challenge to what Christ offers and just to the evangelization of, of people today. Yeah, social media really is this new continent. It's a, it's a whole other world with its own rules. Yeah. It has its own language. You have to speak in memes or 256 characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it has... Uh, when I say rules too, it's like social rules. Yeah. Right. There's, there's people I know who post things and because they get one, like they, they're deemed as I'll talk to people in real life about yeah their posts and they'll mm. say, yeah, don't you think that person, that person's kind of crazy though, but they're not They're They're, they're posting stuff that people. I read. Like, yeah. <laughs> I hope I'm not crazy, but, but things that are, that are true that are happening in time and space and they get discredited. So this reality mitigates what we think is true. Uh, yeah, again, that's a popularity argument, but there's also, uh, when you look at the Manichees and they have this dualism of that, that the real world was evil, matter was evil mm-hmm. and that the spiritual world was good, mm-hmm. that we were in this battle of, spiritual versus flesh yeah right mm-hmm. yeah and so it's a misunderstanding of redemption and so what we have now are people who have lives that are so different than what we actually know uh, in real life yeah and so whether it's a youtube vlogger who's flashing whatever their life is uh, on, on media and you know that's not real that right. causes that causes us an anxiety and then uh even I'll, I'll I'll even criticize people who are Catholic and Catholic families that are vloggers. Right. I'll even criticize that 
because it's not all it's not it's not just like you're in this foretaste of heaven all the time yeah knowingly there are challenges there's suffering there's just like in Pope John Paul Salvavici Dolores, we have to embrace mm-hmm. the suffering of this world yeah. uh, in order to really have an appreciation for what's to come. Anyway, uh, I, I, uh, with the Manichees, uh, they don't exist that much anymore. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a resurgence now with folks who live in a digital reality. Right. Mm. And um, if you don't have a great social profile, if you're not out there, you're you're less likely to be accepted among mm-hmm. friends in, in the real life. They'll, they'll stop interacting with you. Dude, that's or, the social credit thing in China. Yeah. You know about that? I mean, that's like Manichaeism writ large. Right. Instu- instituted Institutional into the, now. In, like the financial and political and like economic. Yeah. We can talk culture. about like how they're doing that, you know, especially with these, t- these tools that are amazing in capabilities such as facial recognition. Mm. Right. And now those cameras, that yeah. China's planning to use these cameras across the whole mm. country. Yeah, so let me back up for a moment. We t- I had mentioned real quickly, kind of blew past it. Um, social credit, I believe, is the name of the, the system that um, China, I, I believe, like at large is, is implementing. Pioneering. Pioneering. Yeah. Um, and it's a, a system that um, basically uh, is like all of the sci-fi movies gone awry that you've seen mm-hmm. where they – um, ascribe this new type of currency to what's called social credit to individuals. And they have these uh, newly developed cameras that are phenomenally high resolution. Yeah. And I'm sure they're recording like every second of every day in all these cities. Um, and what they're doing is they're looking at uh, behaviors of people and um, know, they know where you go, what you spend your, your money on, your time on. And they build this model of you and, what I imagine they're doing is they're saying, are you um, supporting the the government mm-hmm. and are you going to undermine what we're doing or are you going to support what we're doing? And yeah. if you're deemed a liability, they're going to drop your social credit mm-hmm. and they have control because of the way the, um, the, um, the state controls everything top to bottom on whether you can get a loan on your house, whether you can get into schools, whether you can fly out of the country, whether you can get on a subway. Right. And if you live out in the hinterlands in China, you want to go into Beijing, mm-hmm. you you can't get on the sub. You can't get on the public transportation. And there are some people who are effectively being uh, put on house arrest just by saying you can't take the transportation. Yeah. And because they control every aspect of society and they look at like what it is that you're you're doing in your behaviors, they can like, you know, put the the, the thumb down and right. just shut down your life. You know, it's it's interesting, though, because, of course, that we talk about it in China, which is a totalitarian government. But there's a Black Mirror episode called Nosedive. I don't know if you saw it. I love Black Mirror. But what it was basic, that, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Social credit. And but it was in a non-totalitarian government. It was in our in our society where it was just all based on what your peers thought about you. And it was every person you would ever interact with would rate you. And so this character is working really hard on their image and on how they present themselves and on how they interact with people because they need to boost that credit so they could get into this one apartment complex, you know, because otherwise they couldn't get in. Honestly, you can see that happening. I mean, it's it's not that much of a stretch. No, not at all. You I know? don't have that much to say about it other than Jordan Peterson is probably one of the biggest guys who's speaking against this kind of yeah. thing that's happening today with censorship. Right. Um, censorship, uh, especially again, Facebook, 
uh, it was found that they were censoring conservative media during the elections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll censor pro-life events. Right. They, in fact, the entire secular media censors the March for Life year after year. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's already happening, mm-hmm. and I think it, it's they're so effective at hiding it in plain sight. Yeah. And also, we're we don't do anything much about it. I mean, yeah. we could use social media to try to make that stuff go viral. I looked at the YouTube stats of some of the top YouTubers, and none of them really clear two hundred thousand. Yeah, that's crazy. What do you mean? Yeah, followers. Like so, like, top, like, what do you mean? Like, like Joe Rogan like, doesn't two hundred thousand followers. A Catholic, Catholic. So oh, okay, EWTN, okay. I think, only has like two hundred thousand or less, or mm-hmm. something like that. As mm-hmm. as you know, a billion Catholics. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I mean, I wonder if like. Anyways, yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah, yeah. what's what's going on? Why why are we, Catholics not getting popularized. Well, I mean, I don't but, know about. But what does it mean to be Catholic? Like the, I've seen some surveys. I I, I sent you something recently, Rafa, that showed that uh, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. was. I mean, it was particularly looking at attendees of Novus Ordo Mass versus um, like you know, Latin Mass, and um, just like the 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 asymptotic rise of one and the drop of the other. Um, so if you say like Catholics, like is it one brand <laughs> every everyone who the you know the pew survey would say is catholic or people who like attend mass weekly and yeah like, you're right that's a good question because we probably wouldn't throw in folks who are nominally catholic but don't hold the doctrines yeah. of the church yeah. right like canonically like juridically like yes you are catholic but like do you believe in like anything the church teaches and do you you know is, is that an ordering principle of your life yeah and how how would you find out, right? And also, so that's yeah, yeah, that's true, true. So in order to find those trusted sources and find out what's Catholic and what's not, mm-hmm. you know, that I I guess you know to to take another step back, you really have to know the faith. You have to spend time mm-hmm. to be educated on the faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pick up your catechism. Pick up your catechism of the Council of Trent. Mm-hmm. Pick up yeah. any catechism mm-hmm. other than the Dutch catechism. For your viewers, what is the Dutch Catechism? Don't pick that up. I don't know what it is. What You're going to be tempted to look it up. What is it? I am. He, he's not even going to tell you. No. <laughs> so, so right in the in, in this Catechism, yeah, the <laughs> Catechism. The uh, uh, the Dutch Catechism was one of these catechisms that came out that had so many doctrinal errors. Mm. Yeah. Oh, really? um, yes, and it, it came out right after the Second Vatican Council. Yeah. And it was so bad that Pope John Paul asked Father John Harden to come out with his own catechism. Mm. And some of your viewers may have it. It's a yellow-bound book. Hmm. Uh, the cat, uh, so he, Father John Harden came out with the catechism. The Dutch catechism this was later pre- deemed. the compendium. Yes. Yeah, okay. this, is, yeah this is 1960s when this thing came okay. out. Yeah, okay. like late 1960s. Yeah. So avoid that, but go check out Father John Harden's uh, catechism. Um, I think it's online now. Hmm. Or just the regular catechism of the Catholic Church. Don't be intimidated by it. It's right. in paragraphs. In fact, hmm. just think of it as a bunch of tweets. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. That's, that's yeah. what we should. That's what someone should do. Open up an account and just tweet the catechism one to one tweet at a time. One, one bar- tweet at a time. to draw everyone out. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget to follow. <laughs> yeah, Don't I had this idea. I had this idea one time where you would um, you would make a website and maybe maybe we'll do this, um, but you would have basically forms for every portion of the catechism and you could have someone uh, on a phone and you would just record yourself reading the verse mm. and it would just be this crowdsource thing and you would have like kids and grandmas and everyone do it so if you ever wanted to just like listen to the catechism you could have 
anyone read it and like the only rules would be you don't do anything but read the verse sign yeah, up for the verse get it. the video no commentary and then it's just the whole thing i'm sure the usccb would like slap it down or something because they yeah have pretty tight control on it but yeah but get your get your hands on a catechism and then go out into the world right then go out into the social world yeah. uh, the social media world and then that's mm. how that's how anyone's going to have to discern it you're going to have to know the doctrines of the faith pick mm. up the fundamentals of catholic dogma pick up the mm-hmm. sources pick up the denzinger any of these great reference sources on the faith and cross-reference whatever you see yeah so uh in media wise says you should read the internet laterally which means instead of scrolling down and just accepting the information cross-reference things mm. so if you're going to look at different sites cross-reference it with the catechism hmm. or some other some yeah. other source of dogma give me an example like of, give me an example of when you have read the internet laterally recently like yeah what, how'd uh, you do that? uh so for example i i saw some article about i'll give you one from a while ago actually because this one really stands out i was reading about uh, pope benedict when he was still pope and his butler had released these documents. Right. Mm. leaks. Vatileaks. Yeah. What's going on here? Like this is yeah. this is a hot mess. Is that when you? Is that one of the the fourth times you got back on Facebook? I think I came back on then. <laughs> I think yeah. I was like, I gotta log on. <laughs> I gotta know what everyone's saying. Yeah. yeah. Then post something and hopefully someone shares it. Yeah. 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 Because that and when my, they my, don't, because oh. my my self esteem depends on it. Come on, guys. Come on. Come on. So. Yeah, that that was when uh, I started having to investigate, right? And so mm. you start reading yeah. Italian newspapers and then Google translating it and trying to find out is this true? And then later on, he got pardoned, and that pretty much by confirmed. Benedict. Yeah, he was pardoned by Benedict. By Benedict. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's an that's an interesting story, you know. So uh, the Vatileaks comes out, you know, news about this red binder and and about the uh, the um, the gay agenda in Rome, right? Mm. Well, Some years. say that was the beginning of the end for Benedict. Yeah, yeah, that's that. That is a story that will keep me on social media, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> will keep me. Like, on. unfortunately, like that's yeah, something I where I, I've that's got. I get you, Jeff. I know, I know. It's it's where guys just stop posting there. <laughs> <laughs> just put Leave it. Me alone. Just make make a new make a new news site. We need more. We need we need more journalism. Honestly, we true. What's your view of Catholic journalism right now? Oh boy, I mean, it's a it, gosh, it's it's a split right now. There's, mm. we need to unite the clans. Unite the clans. Unite the clans. That's that's where we are because that's not really helping the situation. You mm. got folks who are like, oh, I read One Peter Five and LifeSite News, right? And then you have others who criticize it, and then you have to cross reference that. Like, why are they criticizing that? Mm. And so there's a lot. And in the age of social media, if someone discredits it, then you just don't read it. Right. You just stick with New Advent, and then you learn about church pop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, Catholic journalism has turned into almost clickbait sometimes. Mm. So there's there's that problem. Yeah, and it, and it seems to be just as polarized as anything else. Mm. Unfortunately, and, that, and that's why I always urge people, mm. it's time to start going to primary sources. It's time to start picking up books mm-hmm. and reading yeah. them. Dude, you, you read, the documents. And, read the documents. And consume Go back less to, of it, right? Don't you think? Yes. Read, read less. Consume less of it. Read less. Uh, what was it? I, I heard a line that was basically like, read fewer tweets, read more books. 
Like spend more time on things that take longer to read and they're harder to read. Yeah. And spend absolutely. less time on the things that are like, don't eat the cotton candy, eat the steak. If it takes a long time mm-hmm. to eat it, it's going to stay with you more. And this yeah. is totally true because if I think about the books that I spend time on, they stay with me. Yeah. When I have conversations, I, I think back to the books that I not even listen to, but the books that I like physically read through and those form part of who I am. Like that's part of my psyche. If I had to break down myself into a pie chart, mm-hmm. the books have a slice. Mm-hmm. The articles have no slice. The right. tweets have no slice. Yeah, they're disposable yes, in many ways. Exactly. And and if you spend time on those things and you pick the right ones and you also like I'd say friends probably have slices as well. Right. If you surround yourself with people who make you become better, they become part of who you are. And um, I I really like both the the nonfiction and the fiction. Um, they they form who you are and how you think and just like the 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 pie array that you are right yeah yeah i try not to speak in aphorisms and and uh memes or tweets right but you know this one deserves one it's uh don't read the times read the ages go back Mm. to the Mm. the saints we've forgotten a great one we've forgotten we need a t-shirt chris start working on that (laughs) (laughs) and done (laughs) <laughs> it's for sale on our website <laughs> oh it's actually Facebook, we, sold, we sold out too late okay <laughs> Moving on. yeah yeah there's there's a lot of great saints that i so i went to school for theology and i'm embarrassed that i haven't read very much or at all of saint alphonsus liguri and he's the right. doctor of moral theology yeah yeah man i went to school for this stuff i didn't read him that's embarrassing yeah and so and unfortunately a lot of this stuff is not is just recently being uh, translated, translated into English. Yeah. yeah. So so there's all these great saints that we see and we just go to Catholic online and read about. Right. But we really should go back to their sources and, and, and read what they had to say because that <laughs> is what I feel the church mm. needs in order to breathe renewal. Yeah. A lot of their theology are in the buildings that you guys <laughs> yeah. study. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Yeah. That's, that's a big part of why I think Bishop Barron's been so successful. Because he spent a really long time in France reading the original sources, like what you're talking about, studying mm-hmm. it. Like he he knows yeah. a lot of Aquinas, and he knows right. a lot of you know the you know, Fathers of Vatican II and all these things. And the reason why he I think is is so good at what he does is because he's pulling from these decades of experience in um, you know pastoral life and like academic study, and yeah. you can't just work your way into a YouTube channel and like make a big hit unless you're making videos of like you know, burning a thousand matches in a pile or something like, yeah, yeah. it's literally and, and like figuratively just like going up in flames and you get a million hits, but it's got nothing. It's got no substance, but you yeah. watch it cause it's like this random fun thing. I, I think, I think, I think because of our human nature, our fallen human nature, we're just naturally attracted to that. Mm-hmm. But our, the grace that comes from being baptized, if we are nurturing our life with prayer would find that stuff obviously boring. Mm-hmm. would find that stuff obviously just a complete waste of time you know my wife has been you know credit to her uh, she has been the biggest promote proponent against wasting time on social media mm. even back in college she saw she had the foresight she's like this is she told me like jeff i think this is going to be bad in the future <laughs> really yeah she had she made that prediction mm. i asked her what the lotto numbers were too but it doesn't work that way <laughs> but she's very she was very keen to that and you know i and I, I was like you know what i think you're right so i ditched it and all my friends went off 
In fact, I lost contact with a lot of friends yeah. be- because of that. That's that same thing happened to me. You know, and uh, and it's only because I've been incessantly trying to build a culture yeah. uh, with our neighbors our, and our right. and, and those friends that uh, we've recently been growing our own community. Yeah, and you may have to go out and grow your own community mm-hmm. in this hyper modern world. There, yeah. there may not be a mm-hmm. place for mm-hmm. people to stand by and hope someone picks you up. Mm-hmm. Right, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to carve a niche out in that in that cave. Yeah. Totally. So to close out, I actually wanted each of us to maybe give a couple of concrete pieces of advice for, let's say, a Catholic who maybe struggles with social media use. They maybe use it more than they'd like to, but they don't know how to get off. So let's each take just a turn, maybe sharing some thoughts on concrete things that you could maybe do or maybe ideas on how you can use social media for good, but yet still not lose out on everything life has to offer. So Chris, you'll go first, then me, and we'll let Jeff close us out. So um, there's a website you can pull your phone out and go to. uh, TristanHarris.com. He's a guy we mentioned earlier. He... We kind of glossed over really quickly over his his job. He worked at Google as a design ethicist. Um, he was basically a philosopher working at Google, looking at um, basically being really try. He was being reflective about the misalignment between the business model of the company and the users who are the product. Right? Gmail is not right. the product; it's the individual who has a free product who then sells their time in exchange for getting ads served to you. So what, what he did is he worked at Google uh, doing research on um, m- how users' attention is being manipulated for the gain of selling ads. Full mm-hmm. stop, Google sells ads. They make a bajillion dollars yep. a day. Um, so uh, go to TristanHarris.com and uh, look up time well spent. He, he has interviews all over. He's got a, a TED Talk. He's on you know, all of the, the news sites. Just look yeah. up his name, Tristan, yeah. T-R-I-S-T-A-N, Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, uh, time well spent. He's got some really practical tips for how you can go about trying to mitigate some of the effects of uh, the neurological manipulations uh, of individuals by doing things like grayscaling your phone and trying to turn off all ads that aren't uh, people giving you notifications. If it's a platform telling you you should go and do something, he says, kill that, turn it off. Yep. If it's your mom trying to text you, that's that's fine. Um, so his his website has a bunch of uh, writing about that. So you could you should go read first of all a lot of stuff on his website and how he talks about what it is he's been doing. Uh, his job now uh, is basically to do promotion for this. This is like the new tech debate in like yep. late tw- in like mid 2018. They said. He's like the conscience of Silicon Valley. And this was before the um, Cambridge Analytica, Facebook snafu. Yeah. Um, so I'd say jump into TristanHarris.com, Google time well spent, and see what he has to offer. Probably start with his TED Talk. We'll put it in the show notes. It's probably a good place to start. Great. For me, um, I'm actually going to encourage you to just get off of it altogether. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it's, it's proven to be very life-giving. In fact, I don't think it's a coincidence that since the time I've gotten off Facebook, I have more robust friendships with the people around me than at any point in my life. I, I mean, it could also just be that God is blessing me at this moment in time, but I, I, I believe that there is a connection between me getting off of this thing and those robust connections and those robust friendships that I have. But the other thing is um, you really have to know yourself. 
for me specifically, I really struggled with what people thought of me and just caring too much about that. I struggled with FOMO, fear of missing out, which is exactly what these companies you know, push and what these companies use to manipulate you. So in my case specifically, it was turning me into a person that I, I did not want to be and that I know God did not want me to be. That may not be the case for you. You may not have the same struggles that I did. You know, I know Chris, for yeah. example, doesn't struggle as much with those things as I did. So I think that there is, depending on who you are and what you struggle with, like, you know, very similar to what you're saying, that it's like lust. Some people struggle with lust more than others, and they struggle in different ways. So I think as long as you know yourself, you pray about it, you can kind of make a decision of how you can use this thing. But if I say anything, it would be, Use it at the service of real and true friendship. So use it so it fosters the real community and the real friendship that's in front of you. Mm. And don't let it stop you from going to beautiful liturgies, from going and climbing mountains, mm. from going and experiencing real life and not mm. posting about it. Just go soak it in with your yeah. own eyeballs. Yeah. And that's it. You know? Yeah, that's good. Decide ahead of time. <laughs> if you do that, decide ahead of time to not share it with anyone on social media. So you Just know that like you have you have one chance. Like there's something beautiful about. I'm sorry, I'm like getting no, no, butting no, into your thing. It, there's something really beautiful <laughs> about knowing that you have one chance. Yeah. Like kiss your wife. No one's gonna see it. It's just you. Right. You know. Go out, look at the beach, just look at the sunset. No one's going to see it. It's just yeah. you. God gave you that moment. Right. And just live in that moment. And there's something nice about the fact that it it ends mm-hmm. and it makes you want. It's like when you finish Lord of the Rings. I'm sad because I know it's the last book in the trilogy yeah. and there's not another one. Yeah. But it's beautiful. And at the same time that I love that I finished the thing, there's yeah. a kind of sadness with completing it. But like, that's just like how it should be. Like, it's not, yeah. it's not like I need to. I want to take a picture of this moment so I can remember the time that I finished the thing. Yeah, exactly. No, it's done. Move on. Right. Things die. Things get reborn. That's just the way life works. There's something about knowing that the moment you're living right now won't happen again. It's it. Yeah. And it's awesome. So live it. Soak it in. All right, Jeff. Finish this off. That was fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. You know, just to echo that real quick, uh, when we got engaged, it wasn't posted on social media and we didn't have any friends around. It was just my new fiance and I and a couple of kids who were praying in veils in the back at annunciation. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were like, I think they just got engaged. And it was beautiful (laughs) because the celebration was this quiet, warm embrace. And I tell the story better now because I can't refer to it Mm -hmm. anywhere else. Yeah. I asked my brother to record it actually. (laughs) (laughs) And he didn't hit record. So, (laughs) so that, so that was kind of God foreshadowing my, my future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was foreshadowing my future. So I would say something that to, to really consider is anything that's really important in your life, don't think about posting it at all. Mm-hmm. Just soak it in like, like Rafa said. And then also know that social media is just really not the place for real friendship. It's mm-hmm. real life. So go out there and make yourself vulnerable in real life. Spend, spend that two hours that you normally spend on surfing and YouTube videos and go out there and do the things that St. Paul did. Mm-hmm. Do the things that the saints did. Uh, I, th- I think you'll find yourself a lot happier. I know I have. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it will take a long time. The other thing is 
accept that it will take a long time to break a, a bad habit. Yeah. Um, and I do advise you to just get rid of it altogether. Uh, for, for me, I'm in there professionally, so maybe I just have to find a new job. Maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's the drastic change yeah. that you know. I'm 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 all up for drastic changes as well in this day and age. And again, remember, you're doing all this for your salvation and the salvation of your family and those that you love. So that's what I suggest. All right. Thanks for listening, and thank you, Jeff, for coming on. I Thanks for really having enjoyed me, the conversation. Mm. This is about the time where we say, so where can our listeners find you on social media? But uh, have you can to, find me at... I'll have to go press the flesh and see you in Meat Space. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Meat Space. <laughs> Actually, you can find me at GoWarriorMonk.com. GoWarriorMonk.com. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a new podcast I'll be launching to help men uh, – form themselves in the faith as well as how to form themselves into a fraternity or community awesome great go warriormonk.com and uh we're at beautyevernew.com and uh you know we're on like facebook and instagram and <laughs> twitter <laughs> uh, all that stuff yeah but you know you don't you don't have to go on. you don't have to like us or anything you don't <laughs> have to engage you can just you know Go. Just tell people about it. In when, when, when we when we get zero clicks next week, we'll be happy that all of you are just spending time with your wife and kids. There you go. We will smile. Just leave a comment that you guys are spending out, spending all your time with your family. Yes. <laughs> we need an affirmation. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we need to know somebody's listening. No. <laughs> all right. Over and out. All right. Thanks for listening. The best way to enjoy the podcast is to pull up the accompanying blog post for the episode at beautyevernew.com. There you will find show notes, guest information, helpful visual aids, and more. To continue the conversation, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and let us know how you're experiencing beauty in your churches and communities.